begins our 200-hour teacher training. I am still taking applications, uh, so please get those in right away. Uh, this will be at our Lakeview location, 1222 West Grace Street in Chicago. We have opened our second location in Wicker Park, 2046 West Division, again in Chicago. So please come practice, practice with us there. Uh, if you do have a Hilltop Punch card, this can be used at any of our locations. No need to buy a new pass. June is an incredible time in Chicago, and I always encourage people to jump into training because it sort of fills this beautiful space and need that we all have to kind of become more vibrant and awake and uh, heated and open. So get those apps in. July 16, 12 to 2, Anna Holquin will come and do a workshop called Working Toward Body Peace. This is about uh, dealing on the mat with trauma that the body has been through, whether that trauma is physical, whether it has been an eating disorder. Uh, coming on to the mat with an accepting mind, with a clean mind that feels willing not only to look at those things and begin to heal, but to welcome the now body um, and, and to, to regain ownership of it. Anna has so much insight into this personally as well as uh, educationally, so please come join us for that. August 26 through 28, Taylor Hunt will be with us. Taylor will be workshopping in the Wicker, Wicker Park location. Um, so yeah, please check that out on the website. He's doing three workshops Friday through Sunday. Again, that is going to be Wicker Park. So check everything out on the website, hilltopyoga.com. Thanks so much. Be well, Shanti. Shout out to Liquid Death Water. So my husband on tour kept, you know, talking about this water and how different it was than regular water. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, come on, it's water. I was just travel teaching and I bought this water and I'm telling you, it is truly different. It's like weirdly creamy and smooth and has no taste but saucha to be very appropriate for this episode so go get some liquid death truly this is different water Welcome to All Things Yoga. I'm Hilary Lockwood. So we've talked about our yamas thus far. We've kind of gone over these universal ideas or universal moral codes. What I like to consider or simply just say this is how we treat each other in the world. You know, how, considering how do we behave to other human beings, to 
other things to the planet, etc., uh, in the world broader scope. Now, as we jump into these niyamas, which the niyamas are individual moral codes. So this, these are essentially how you treat yourself. Same, same. I say this all the time. I will continue to do so. Yamas, niyamas, they're all the same. And when you find and figure out the one that is the easiest for you to access, Iyengar says this best. He says, if the sutras do too, if you have one and you just follow one for five minutes fully, all of the rest will follow. Let's imagine that five minutes then grow into 10, 15, 20, 30, two days. That'd be amazing. It's probably impossible. All of the little work that we do, it all matters. So niyama is the way that we look at and treat ourselves is a direct reflection on that than how we go out into the world and treat other people, whether that's deliberate or not. You can't have saucha, this first niyama, without being kind and being honest and not stealing and honoring your own power, not hoarding or coveting or collecting or chasing, right? Purity is without most of those except the honoring of your own power, which becomes very, very important in all of them. So our first niyama, and these are our first two limbs, right? Yama, niyama. Uh, our first niyama is sacha. Sacha means purity. This one's really interesting, and I love that this is the beginning of the niyamas because purity is so subjective to where we are in our lives, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It's also directly connected to the santosha. Are we content? To the tapas, are we fueling and moving our best selves into the world? Svadhyaya, are we constantly in a space of true self-observation? And then Ishvara Pranidahana, right? This purity is directly connected to what we consider to be our faith, our oneness, whatever that may be, spirituality, whatever you want to call it. So Saucha, this idea of purity, right? In thought, word, and action. So as I say with all of these, this is probably impossible to be completely pure in thought, right? All day, maybe for a few minutes, absolutely. And that's what we're trying to do. Purity in thought means that we are not judgmental or critical of first ourselves and then turning that on to other people. That we are coming from this thought space of absolute love, of attention to, not attention from, this purity of thought is about honoring yourself and knowing your power and knowing that you're amazing and beautiful and sweet and strong, feeling that essence of giving and gratitude and acceptance, peace, right? The shanti absolutely comes into play. Am I at peace with who I am? Because if I am, if that reflection that I'm looking into in the water is clear, 
what's reflected back at me is this honest, pure image of self. This manas and this manasika, this manas, this thinking, chitta vritti, spinning mind, right, is always quite cluttered. But as the sutras say, when we clear that mental lake, right, we begin to see more freely, more clearly, all the things that we need to see, this pure sight coming back. If this mental lake is all full of chitta just full of spinning, of chaos, of expectation, judgment, criticism, what we see is not going to be clear. And this is where the manas, this judgmental mind, just takes hold. We have this beautiful manasika, this higher mind, this back brain, essentially, that allows us to see clearly. And the idea is that for all of us, that sight back there, up there, wherever, is so clean that it really is the vision to the clean mind. But we have all this garbage, right? All this filtering with a lens and a camera as it's zooming in. All this filtering that we've got to get through and that filtering is all our garbage. It's our traumas, which leads us to mistrust. It's our, you know, our betrayals. It's our sadnesses. It's our losses, our griefs, our, all of it. So the hope is that in Saucha, we begin to get glimpses of this higher, cleaner mind. So much of meditation is spent in Varana, in this single focus, where we're just ping-ponging between what I chose as my intention, what I chose as my single focus, and groceries, and kids, and dishes. That's just the way it goes. But when you have those moments of opening into dhyana, into true meditation, this is where the sauchik mind becomes available, and it really does reveal itself. And in that moment, we can choose, what exactly am I going to do with this, right? Saucha in thought is about being sweet, being metta, right? Loving kindness, being kind to other people, honoring that we all share space, that we're here together, that in that togetherness, we are stronger, stronger in unity, separateness breeds separate. So this saucha's mind, this pure mind is a unified mind. We have to deal with that and what we consider to be in our minds pure. And this is where our justifications, our excuses often come, right? Let's say we're in a bad situation and maybe not even a situation that's dangerous or detrimental, but we know that it's not good for us or we've chosen to do something with a group of people that is not serving our greater good. That's not Sauchik. And the interesting thing is we know it as it's happening. As yogis, we have such a bittersweet, heightened awareness of when we behave badly and when we behave yogically and how to navigate those waters from clean, pure intention. So 
what do we consider to be pure in our own minds? And that's why this is a niyama. That is up to you. What we eat, what we drink, what we do, what we think is up to you. You get to decide. You get to explore. You get to decide. You get to change it whenever you want to. You get to change your mind because just like Satya, right? The truth is the truth is the truth until the big truth. It's constantly changing. Satya, pure is impure, is impure, is pure until that actually moment of Kaivalya, of absoluteness, where purity just happens without effort. Think about that. If we have to, and I, and I give this to you as homework if you want to try this, if we have to choose something, our vice, one of our vices, uh, for me, uh, maybe it's drinking wine or eating chocolate. So let's say it's chocolate. And I choose this week, in honor of Saucha, I am not going to have chocolate. But I'm going to approach this from a clean, pure intention. I'm going to approach this from, I am doing this as an opportunity to further clean my house. So that this house that I walk onto the mat in asana, in meditation, in pranayama, it feels better, lighter, less heavy. Maybe it's wine. Maybe it's fasting. Maybe it's juice fasting. We all have vices and we make great excuses for why they continue to exist in our lives. Even though that little yogi voice in the back of our head is going, you know, that's not great for you every day, right? few glasses of wine a week, amazing. Three glasses of wine every day, not so amazing. Not so good for you. And so it's recognizing when you're making those excuses, those justifications and saying, well, I'm going to stay in this job because I don't know if I can find anything else and I don't really trust myself. I'm not really good enough. That is the problem. And that is not Saucha. It's almost as if these things that come to fruition, they are the result, right? They're not the immediate choice. They're the consequence of the choice. So as we continue to justify, all wine has antioxidants, chocolate has antioxidants, they're good for me. Sure, in moderation. Anything, well, maybe not anything, but most things, positive things, can be good for you in moderation, right? And maybe that's how you choose to make your pure choice. I talked about this in my cancer story part one, that you know, when I was diagnosed, I went macrobiotic and I got so dogmatic that I felt as if I was punishing myself. And my meditation really did snap me out of it, that to say, if you really only have six months to live, you're going to be this tortured. I'm Italian. Like we love food. Everything happens in the kitchen. That's where all the conversations happen, either cooking together or eating together. And so I was depriving myself of this sacred ritual that means so much to the feeling of my soul. I have this constant back and forth with uh, my trainees, you know, what is habit, samskara, and what is ritual? And that's all about intention. That's all about satcha. If it's pure intention and it's something that's fueling your soul and you have it, you're still choosing it. It's not choosing you right, which means it's got control over you, then by all means, go for it. The sutras say that. They say, 
If you're coming from a clean house, body, mind, and spirit, you can have all the things you want in the world. You can, he actually says, he, she, they, Patanjali, uh, name, fame, money, position, friends, because it's coming from pure intention and your job is to be of service. So those rewards that are coming to you, you're not doing, you're not being of service for those rewards. You're simply doing them because it's the humane, beautiful, liberated soul thing to do. In the space of Satcha, we have to look at the body, which, you know, thought, word, and action. What do we say? How do we speak? Are we speaking from the soul's voice? Are we saying things that need to be said and not holding back things that need to be said? Are we gently, calmly expressing our needs, our hopes, our loves, our selves without fear, hesitation, concern, without holding back? That again is pure intention, right? If you hold back because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings or you're not expressing what you need to someone, um, two really important things, it's not coming from a sarchic voice, right? Not expressing what we need, holding back is lying. Yelling and screaming at someone, right, is mean. And so right away this pulls us into, and you're stealing from yourself, and you're taking away your own power and you're grasping at something that doesn't exist. So all of the yamas just came into play with two simple examples. Satya in word is satya. I mean, to me, there really is no difference. And again, the sutras say, speak the absolute truth without harming anyone. But you have to remember that also means without harming yourself. Those conversations that we have in our own heads that are so mean, meaner than anything we would ever say to someone else, that is not sauchik. And your mind cannot clean or heal from that space. These compartments where we hold our traumas that truly things that get revealed in meditation, in the yoga practice that we have, our brain has completely shut down really violent domestic abuse, rape, molestation. Uh, these fall into this category where a memory is so violent that the mind tucks it away, the brain literally tucks it away in a place that you do not have access to until something truly triggers that. You're never gonna see something in meditation you're not ready to see. And so as we slowly peel the layers back on this mind and we try to get cleaner and clearer and more focused in who we are, what we are, and why we are, it means allowing these things to gently trickle out, right? This wall comes down brick by brick. We're not just going to smash it down. It's not even possible. This saucha in action, this idea of pure Action. What am I doing? And why am I doing it? Iyengar asks in Light on Life, what am I doing? And why am I doing it? And if you're being honest with yourself and you come to a reason or an intention that is a smita, that is egoic, 
that is about self-gratification, that is about gaining stature, reputation, a raise, more letters at the end of your name, that is not saucha. That is ego. So, so much of saucha is how do I pull back this curtain of ego, of asmita, to see truly who I am and what I need? And how do I listen directly to this intuitive voice that knows exactly what I need, that knows exactly where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to do, bahavanam, my purpose, who I'm supposed to be to serve the greater good. And remember, serving the greater good, you guys, is every tiny little thing that you do every single day. It does not have to be this grand gesture that you feel impacts the earth. All those little things impact the earth. All those little decisions of love, of self-care, of less judgment, of forgiveness, of acceptance, of recycling, of eating plant-based if that's what you choose, of supporting a local farm if you eat meat, just honoring why you do what you do and recognizing whether that's coming from a place of ego and excuse or whether that's truly coming from very clean, clear intention. And, you know, we all make mistakes and that has to be okay too. You may choose something that you feel is pure in a moment. Think about God, the world. How many things are done with this this blanket of purity over them that are just violent and awful? And then you snap out of it. And maybe you see the actual truth. Maybe you see God. Maybe you see yourself open up and go, oh my goodness, this was the wrong choice. Again, though, I think it's really important to recognize that everything that we go through in our lives, it's all on purpose. It all sets this pathway for who you are now. And I have my share of traumas and sadnesses and just extraordinary things that have happened to me. I have to be grateful for all of those things, regardless of how violent, regardless of how they shifted my world. Because the truth is that I would not be this version of me without all of those things and all of those people. No one, nothing is a mistake. And in the moment, we may be choosing something that feels pure and feels real and feels permanent. When in reality, that yogi mind is behind us going, you know, this isn't permanent, nothing, but your soul is permanent. Be content with where you are. Take it for what it is. We continue to shift as we grow. We continue to shift as we get smarter and more vulnerable and more open. And we begin to recognize that that vulnerability, that openness, it is a huge source of our strength. Whereas maybe growing up in a household where you were told tears or emotion was weakness, this is backwards. And so something that may have felt pure, this put on strength that you had to have because that face was the face you had to wear since you were a child. 
to begin to recognize that that is not the pure you, that the pure you is soft and is gentle and is giving and is loving and does cry and laugh and is open. And that is so much stronger than the other, than the pretend, the false strength, false happiness, false this, false that, false. We do it all the time. Pure action is about trying as best we can to be so present and to take the moments that we're given as they are. Can I make this moment clean, pure, awake, aware? Can I choose in this moment to try to just clear away the chitta vritti, the cobwebs, and see that shining, clean self? Saucha is ahimsa, it is satya, it is asteya, brahmacharya, aparigraha. It's all of them. We turn that mirror on self and we do that without criticism or judgment. We do that with the kindest, most open heart and we use all of our insights as great opportunity to change things that are not working, to change patterns that are not serving us, to choose better, right? Discriminative discernment over and over in the sutras, right choice for my body, my mind, my soul. Can I, you know, purely choose actions that serve myself, but then in turn serve others in a more beautiful way? Can I say what I need to say in a way that's not going to harm anyone, but know that I am expressing my unique creative, loving self? Can I be in this space of sitting and trying to clear the cobwebs from my mind so that I'm looking from that wide, open, vast space rather than the place of my mind that is so cluttered with furniture, there's no way to get around, right? Let's sit up nice and tall, not if you're driving. Belly is lifted, hearts open, eyes closed. Let's take a nice big inhale through the nose. Ah, just sigh it out. And again, inhale through the nose. And as you exhale, just let it go. With those eyes closed, I want you to bring your attention to the ajna, this third eye space between the eyebrows just above. And visualize a bright white light. Allow this light to grow bigger, brighter, warmer. And as it does, allow this light to grow so big, so expansive, that it pushes away the chitta vritti, that it begins to push away the chaos, the unnecessary extra garbage that is just spinning in the mind. As we begin to feel the lightness of this space, I want you to see a little pinprick of violet. Like this little peephole in the door. And I want you to glance into it. And as you do, travel into and through that violet light. 
in the space of being just surrounded and blanketed, protected, connected, always. I want you to take a moment to just be so honest about two, three things that you do in your life that you know are not pure for you. Whether that's thought, word, or action, those things that you do that are just not helping you to live in the most beautiful, strongest essence of you. do this without criticism, judgment, expectation. Sifting through those two, three things, I want you to choose one. Let the others just fall away. The mind's still full of violet light. You're just surrounded from the inside out and blanketed from the outside in by this extraordinary, insightful light. And as you hold on to this one thing, this one thing that you know is probably doing more damage than good, I want you to visualize taking this hand of your breath to reaching in, to plucking this thing in between your fingers, to dangle it right in front of the eyes, this temptation always there, whether it's that glass of wine, that, you know, bowl, that, whatever, (laughs) cake, that meanness, this behavior towards someone, whether it's meanness to yourself, a certain pattern of thought or a phrase that you say to you or out loud, dangle it in front of you. And I want you to take a moment just to recognize how damaging this one small thing can be. And now holding it in front of you, almost shaking it around as if it's teasing you a little bit, I want you to realize that you have control. That the hand that's holding this thing is yours. Visualize yourself just taking it and throwing it away. And as you do that, I want you to make a soft, sweet intention. And remember, Promises are interesting because promises, if broken, lead to guilt, blame, and shame. Don't do that. This is intention. This is a hope, an idea, a direction. And if it goes sideways, you can always, always start over and come back to it. For this week, see if you can do just seven days. Try to let go of this thing. Try to see if you can be without it for just seven days.
as you come back to the gentleness of this violet light. Allow this to guide you back into bright white light in the mind's eye. Holding this intention with you. Seven days sacred. Seven days sacha. Let's take a nice big inhale. Ah. Bring index and middle fingers, both hands, to the ajna, to the third eye space. And just give yourself a little gentle massage here between the eyebrows, just above. Let's take an om to end out this particular episode. Let's take a big inhale. to namaste remember that an intention is not a promise right it's a soft hope seven days of sacred sacha you can always add comments here touch base with me and let me know how it goes uh, instagram dm me at yogi hilly and i'll touch base with you back be well. Shanti, shanti. You are-